Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi there, I'm Umanea and welcome to the Girl Chart Podcast. During the series, I'll be joined by some amazing guests, as well as sharing stories and discussions with the South Asian twist. We'll be getting stuck into the chart and the chat. I'd love to hear from you, so please get in touch on Instagram, at girlchart. Hi, everybody, and welcome back. Today, we're joined by multi-award winning filmmaker Jaisha Patel. Jaisha's work has been shown at film festivals all over the world, including Sundance, the Berlin Film Festival and the Toronto Film Festival. Jaisha's compelling films The Circle and Notes to My Father focus on South Asian women who've experienced sexual violence. Her films give women a voice and a platform to tell their story, and that's why I wanted her to come on Girl Chart today to tell her story and share her experience. Hi, Jaisha. Hello. Welcome. <laughs> I'm going to just say that our mums are good friends, <laughs> yeah. but we've never met. I and know. so I just thought, right, I'm doing a podcast. I can finally get Jaisha to come round, eat some pizza at my house. It's been great. And what a way to celebrate Women's Day. Yes. Uh, today <laughs> is International Women's Day as well. So it's brilliant that we're, we've got Jaisha here and we're going to talk all about her amazing films. Jaisha, I want to go straight into it. Yes. Do you remember the first time you picked up a camera? Like, why did you pick up a camera and what inspired you? Oh, gosh. I hated the camera growing up because my granddad used to take... (laughs) incessant <laughs> pictures of us all the time like he's got this hat like in his house he's got this room and like you know every Indian house has like a temple yes like his ashram shrine thing is like a room with all these photo albums oh and now you can just get lost in there so I hated it because I always had a camera in my face <laughs> and then I think it was I mean it's quite a long story well I had this very unconventional gap year yeah. um where I Went to Latin America, but I um, went very, very deep into the Amazon. It's probably cultural appropriation now. And I'm <laughs> quite, I feel very uncomfortable about it. But um, at the time, I just lived a very comfortable existence in England. And I just wanted to be somewhere else. Very where, removed from home. Yeah, very but, different. Yeah, but where there were also other like brown people. It's really weird that I didn't want to go to India because everyone was like teaching English in India. And I just felt that that wasn't right. Mm-hmm. I took a really crap Argos camera that was 60 pounds. Um, and I ended up really, really deep in the Amazon kind of 
with a community called the Waranis and I became very close to some people there and I was like if I'm a 60 year old woman who has grandchildren and I somehow lose my memory how am I going to tell my grandkids about this yes um and so I started taking lots of pictures just to kind of as a testament to those like to record everything and be like a scrapbook almost yes it was and then I sent all of these pictures back by like Flickr or something because we didn't have like (laughs) Facebook to my poor mother who opened them up to see kind of people and me in the middle of nowhere (laughs) and I was there for a good six weeks without any contact with people um so she was like what the hell are you doing but um from that experience I kind of learned that there was something beautiful about capturing emotions in that way so that was my first time oh wow what a story um you might hear helicopter that's because I live in a dodgy area (laughs) it literally is uh three o'clock in the afternoon and the police helicopters are out so were there any particular filmmakers or documentary makers who've inspired you to do the work that you do or even just start making documentaries? Yeah, um, I think it was mainly fiction people, actually. I, um, again, had a bit of an unconventional start to documentaries. So when I was in England, do you remember this show called Tribal Wives? I don't know. It was like back in, it was on BBC. No, what was it about? All these kind of Western women and they were having problems and it was manipulated in a way that they would go to these like remote... and see what life was like yeah kind of and I remember being with my dad watching it and I was like oh my god that's Penty and my dad turned to me and he was like don't be so ridiculous they don't look all the same and then the voiceover artist was like and this is Penty and they'd completely manipulated one of the places I'd been in the jungle or I thought they had Um, and that was kind of a moment where I was like oh maybe I can tell my own kind of stories in my own way that could be sincere to me but I yes. could see like the workings of that so I was kind of a bit dissatisfied not dissatisfied but I was like there may be other ways of telling documentaries that I'm not seeing yeah more authentic ways yeah of telling the story yeah yeah and I then remember seeing like people like Abbas Kiristami who were like this Persian um, Iranian filmmaker and Tarkovsky obviously when you're younger who were like very poetic filmmakers and I was like oh my god that's what I want to do and so I decided to go to film school in Cuba well I was going to talk to you about your lovely <laughs> mum and dad they're so great and they're very brave actually because like you said you went to the Amazon you went to film school in Cuba and you've also gone on some crazy trips uh you know dangerous trips when you've been filming or yes, you know, very remote yes. places how did they feel about you going to these places uh, you know Indian parents are very protective normally yes um I think it was probably a, due to, it's like a mix of extreme strength to let your child yeah. go in that way, regardless of if you're Asian or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but also a bit of naivety, because obviously oh, yeah. I wasn't, even I didn't realise where I was going to go <laughs> or like the extent of what I did until I, you know, you, you're on a kind of a mission or an adventure to kind of do stuff. So it wasn't like, you know, at Heathrow Terminal 5 being like to mum, I'm just going to go to the Amazon for six weeks. And then after that, I'm going to fall in love with this guy in, in the middle of a desert. See you in a year. <laughs> it's just a rite of passage that we've all been through. <laughs> it was just kind of organically kind of built up in a way that then just... Like a drip, drip effect. Yes. Or like and a it was tornado. Too, too late for them to turn around and say, no, you can't go. Oh, they're we very lovely. To. Okay, well, they've been very supportive. So, what kind of films did you start making? What was your like? What was your first? 
I made it about my grandparents, actually. It was called Love and Black and White. Payback for the camera years. in your face. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I was just like, my ma- massive question was like, how is this marriage still strangely strong after 50 years, despite <gasps> them being complete opposites? Yeah. My grandma's like very strong. You know, she was known as like the Bombay bombshell, like a fashionista. Oh. Didn't want to get married. She asked my granddad two questions. Do you smoke? Do you drink? He lied and said no. <laughs> she was like, all right, I'll come and marry you then. <laughs> and she was so- like, it was that easy in today's world yeah he's like this gentle soul that's like very sensitive obsessed with like art and his gardening and she hates all of that so um <laughs> sounds I incredible <laughs> we need to get the bombay bombshell on girl chart asap <laughs> so that was yeah it was a very simple film but it was kind of an homage to, to two people that have greatly influenced me yeah oh, that's like a love story to your grandparents was, i yeah. want to watch that that sounds so lovely you know they inspired you and was there a particular a moment that sparked your passion for uh, making films particularly about women mm. um yeah I mean it's quite a you know um <laughs> going off into a different tone but um obviously uh, I I went through sexual I was raped um in Peru um and it was my final year of college um and I was doing economics at the time which I hated but I think one thing about uh, trauma and extreme trauma is that for me at least it gave me an incredible amount of perspective and I was like life is too fucking short to be Mm -hmm. doing something that you don't love Um, and I think in that state of trauma as well um, or processing that I started to kind of see small emotions in other people. There's a bit more empathy because you've kind of gone to the depths of your own human experience, Mm -hmm. right? Um, and then within that, you see small changes in other people or you're just more sensitive to those yeah. around you. And I think that was like, OK, maybe I can use this to create human bonds and share stories. And at the time, it completely recalibrated my lens in, in the way in which I thought of myself as a woman. Because yeah. I went to like an all-girls school where I'd never, you know, it was very kind of academic. And I'd never thought about that process of being a woman. I had a certain yeah. privilege in that educational background I guess mm-hmm. um so when one fundamental thing of me was inherently taken away in that moment uh, it made me question everything about that and that's why I kind of wanted to direct myself towards telling stories about other women yeah um yeah um well if that makes sense <laughs> yeah that makes so much sense I, I didn't know that um I think that's why now you know, when I look at your films, and we'll talk about them a lot more later, there's a sensitivity, as you say, but it's even, it's it's deeper than that, actually, of, of telling the stories that you're telling. It's almost like a hand-holding of, like, a have been through this, I understand you mm, way I of telling, you. I see yeah. you. You must see life in a very different way. And growing up with a lot of, priv- you know, with as a privileged woman, yeah. often even your own safety you probably don't think about you just think well I can go anywhere I can do anything and I'm fine right um and then that kind of gets taken away from you right thank you for no no that so we've discussed how some of your films have highlighted gender inequality Mm -hmm. and sexual violence in India do you think India's been affected by the me too movement has has there been a change have you noticed a change uh, to discussion yeah I mean I think that's where I feel like 
gosh, do I have even a right to say anything? Like, I don't want to speak mm-hmm. on behalf yeah. of it's you from know, your Indian ex- women. From yeah. your experience when you're going out there and, and filming, like, is do you hear more? Like, are people talking more about women's rights and... Um, yeah, I think the thing with India is it's not like a monolithic. It's so pluralistic. There's lots of, mm-hmm. you know, a rural kind of Indian women has completely different mm. um, wants and needs than, you know, somebody in Bombay. In town, yeah. yeah. And I think, so Me Too looks like different things according to who you are in India. Yeah, right? that was my next question about, yeah. do, it, does it differ in rural India to the big cities? I, th- I think it it would i don't i don't think they would consider it kind of a movement in the same way perhaps i don't mm-hmm. know um yeah i mean again I, I don't think i can speak on behalf of any rural women but i i think it's like you have to kind of almost recalibrate your lens with which you're looking so yeah. the film that i did circle it was about internalized misogyny it was a woman that was uh, raped by four men but her grandmother organized it and i wanted to see how the effects of patriarchy kind of then are expressed mm-hmm. inter- when they're internalised through other women, yeah. you know? You could see that from a Western lens of, like, oh, my God, poor women, this is horrible, she's... And, of course... Been betrayed by her grandmother and... Yeah, or, like, she's the complete victim and, of course, it's horrific what's happened. But yeah. her being able to even say that to her mother when she knows there could be repercussions <laughs> or to survive that every day in that way takes an incredible amount of strength yeah and far more strength perhaps than I've got and I'm, I'm not trying to glorify that in any way but it's to kind of look at it in a different way like that's remarkable that she would even do that and so that that is the equivalent of me marching in the street yes. does that yeah. make sense because there could be repercussions I think it would be perhaps very inorganic for there to be kind of a movement in the same way that there is mm-hmm. here in a rural place like that and yeah. I'm not sure how effective that would be but it's either. happening in their own in, yes. in their own way, whereas maybe in the past, yes, it might not have been something that they would have been somebody who lives there would have vocalised. I think women there have always known, but they're and they've always expressed it. They go to the fields to talk about it with yes, other women, as in your film. Yeah, you know, you, we witness them yeah. in the fields talking about it, and yeah. so it's not because suddenly there's more kind of exposure of it, or there's like a famous person that's come out that that happens because they've been living with that forever as we have in different ways but I think when there's more powers of oppression on you you're very very you're even more aware yeah because privilege blinds you to a certain extent as I was talking about like I'm I'm a brown woman that's gone through sexual abuse yeah but I also have a certain privilege that I need to acknowledge um in order to be able to expand myself in order to see other layers of how other women are affected so we mentioned Kishbu Mm mm-hmm in circle and um obviously it's a very traumatic story and you had to kind of become very close to Kushbu and, and trust each other mm-hmm. you know for her story to be told um how do you cope with the traumatic stories that you're hearing and how do you switch off when you turn the camera off and you've left India and you've gone home um I think the thing with trauma is I mean I don't want to center it about me especially when you're doing it about other people I think the thing with trauma that I think many people could probably relate to Mm -hmm. regardless of what that trauma could be in their life is that it kind of creeps up in you in very unexpected ways so it was not necessarily just because you've been in a situation where you're hearing somebody else talk about it that you could be triggered you could be literally looking at flowers in a shot window one day and it sparks something um and 
uh, you know, obviously, like I, I think I had a moment when I was doing the VR piece notes to my father and luckily uh, a producer that I was working on was very aware of what happens with sexual abuse and mm-hmm. stuff. And she's like, are you having PTSD? Yeah. And I was just getting very, very emotional in a way that was perhaps very considered irrational. And I was like, gosh, I never thought that, yeah, that could be a situation that could happen like eight while you're, years after. While you're working. Like, yes. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just being aware of that. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's like, I don't think I would for a while be doing stories about sexual violence again. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I think there's a lot that I've explored that I, I don't not not have curiosity to explore more but I feel like I've, I've reached that limit yeah. and I don't want to also just I think there's a tendency with Asian uh, or anybody of color or if you're a woman mm-hmm. to be expected to tell certain stories and you get kind of boxed in and so I'm trying to use my perspective you know one that's an Asian woman but has lived large parts in India but also Latin America Um, and kind of living on these margins that gives me an incredible perspective to Mm -hmm. perhaps explore other stuff and there's so many aspects to all of us as individuals we're not just one one story yeah hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com hey it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters May 17th do you want to tell people the big news all right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, from a practical practical point of view, yes. how do you like overcome the language barrier? Because obviously in rural mm. India, many different dialects are spoken. Yes. How do you get How do you get to know um, the people in your films? When is it through an interpreter or? Um, yeah, I, it's really really important to me if I'm whether I'm making a film here, you know, in Newcastle or mm-hmm. there or anywhere to work with a local team, right? Um, and key people within the team, so it's not just like a fixer. Um, a producer, a DOP, anybody, because I feel it's that those are the people that are going to be able to question you being like, well, you know, you're not confronting yourself in the way in terms of widening your gaze. Yeah. But um, it's also that kind of link into being able to see subtleties and layers that I just would not be able to if I just kind of parachuted in with just kind of a translator, if that makes sense. Of course, yeah. And then just spending as much time as possible. I think growing up as a bilingual quick kid and I also speak Spanish fluently yeah. you pick up languages 
perhaps a bit easier as well. I'm not like fluent in like Awadi, which is like this <laughs> dialect in your, you know, rural uh, like now. But um, I could slowly kind of Start understand, to understand more. What's yes, being said. exactly. And I think with stuff like you know with Kushbu, as you say, like when you understand that somebody's gone through sexual abuse, yeah. in very very different circumstances. Um, you often know that giving somebody a hug um, is better than words. <laughs> yeah. You know, in terms it's like of a building... human language, yes. building a connection. Yeah, and knowing where to go and how far to go and what not to do. Mm. Um, and I think sometimes words can limit us. I just wanted to ask, you know, having worked so much in India, do you feel you connect being Indian differently than you used to do when you were just going there on holiday for a very short time? Now you're there in very kind of rural communities different communities yeah has it changed your like feeling about being British Indian oh absolutely and I think it's really interesting actually especially when I um I lived in India for two years in Bombay um on and off and I was at the pub the other day with this and um, there was this guy that's from India and I think he thought I just I don't know what happens but I have a slight like Mom- Bombay lilt <laughs> I do it with an American like if I'm speaking to an American person yeah. as well um and so he thought that I was from Bombay but had lived here you know was and so he was just like these British Asians are just so confused <laughs> aren't they they're just not like us and I was like nodding my head and being like I was actually born here <laughs> He's like, I'm sorry. Did he backtrack majorly he was then? Just like, I had no idea. I'm really sorry. Yeah. Yeah. But um, it definitely changed my my sense of um, everything, actually. Yeah. Um, and it was very confronting because you have this delusion of, of what that is and what your identity is, you know, as yeah. somebody from the diaspora. And then you go there and you realize how much of like a westernized mentality you've internalized, which mm-hmm. essentially part of that western... Um, identity also is something that's rooted in kind of looking at that place as inferior even if we don't think it is I definitely think that I may have felt that way when I was younger right yes I would say I go there now (laughs) I was in Bombay I felt very much like perhaps I was the (laughs) inferior (laughs) one um it's on another level of uh cool in terms of everything yes uh food culture but yeah, I, I totally get that. We did, I think, grow I would, up. I think yes. we grow up going, oh, no, not India. Yes. Can't yeah. we go to Disneyland, please? <laughs> yeah. And then you see that self-changing. But um, yeah, there's a bit more pride. I think there's more, um, I, I feel less British Asian and less Indian at the same time. I think that experience of, of living that, also dating an Indian from India was like a huge thing. So I Ooh. dated a Marathi guy uh, for two years. And I think that that was also something that changed it more, actually, because that was a direct um, confrontation with what I thought I was. Oh, yeah, that you thought that that you knew quite a lot about Indian culture. Yeah, or part of my own Indian identity. And when you're next to somebody on such an intimate level that clearly doesn't have those insecurities about being, you know, whatever, it makes you confront stuff in a weird way in a beautiful way in an expansive way what kind of things do you mind me just asking what is there any particular (gasps) thing that stands out where you suddenly thought oh actually no I need to reassess this um 
I, even like the whole like Westerner thing, like even I, I was like, no, I'm a liberal. I work in the arts. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't anything to do with my boyfriend at the time, but it was on a shoot um, one day and we were filming um, this thing for Al Jazeera, actually India's Wushu Warrior Girl. So it was about the first Muslim girl doing martial oh, arts. And um, I was with this very talented cinematographer who was a good friend of mine. Um, and I was like, no, the, you know, like the commissioning editors, like we need more drama, we need more conflict. And it's very kind of, I get it for like yeah. a formatted thing. And he literally like shook me. He was like, you're not seeing what we're seeing. Like you've got such a Western gaze. And he was like, walk with me through this corridor. And it just showed how you can have the same experience, uh, same, you can do the same thing, but have a completely different experience. Interpretation of it. Yes. And he was like, see that kind of fan. Like you don't understand that they're like these, some of these women have not even like, come from any kind of background but that's remarkable that they're doing their homework under this fan that doesn't even work and there's like birds everywhere and like yes they don't express their love in the same outward way that you might but go and look in the toilets and you see like I love so and so scribbled so they express themselves in the same way that we do but just in different places and I was like holy shit like yes I have some work to do. That sounds like a fun walk through <laughs> the corridor. Um, but yeah, yeah then you know changed I mean? your approach to filmmaking. It does, but it's a constant work. It's yeah. like that whole kind of, not in a you know politically correct, like unconscious bias thing, but it's not just something that you, um, it's not just a one-off thing because I walk through that corridor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. I've Tick it off, put it on my CV. <laughs> um, I guess it's about opening up you use the word gaze, which I yes. so love. I'm using that all the time. But opening up your gaze <laughs> yes. to see more yes. when you're behind a camera. Yes, and it's hugely confronting, but I know that I'm doing it right, right. when I'm being very confronted by my own self. <laughs> wow. Um, yes. Um, well, thing. interesting. So we talked about gaze. Now, you film. You have filmed in VR. Yes. I'm saying it like I know what it means. <laughs> VR. She's done a lot of VR. Um Obviously, that's is that virtual reality? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Can you explain to us what that means mm. and how does your approach to filmmaking change when you're filming in VR? Oh, good question. Um, so, yeah, I did a project with Facebook actually a couple of years ago and it was called Notes to My Father and yes. it's about the relationship between a father and uh, Ramadevi, who was a survivor of sexual trafficking. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had um, trafficked her off or he was conned um, and had a lot of pain and guilt. And so it was kind of her letter to him about all the things that she could never say to him, despite them being close. I think you could just poetically, like it's more about not what happens, but kind of creating a tone. I'll give you a concrete example. You know, in a normal film, it's about sex trafficking showing a brothel scene in VR would just paralyze you it would just be quite sensationalist um right and you're just you're not because you haven't been in one and you just like you can't relate and you just become very you know um so I was like okay how do we get the experience of when she's talking about this for somebody to really feel something and I remember when I you know in living in India and if you'd gone and got you know like the male carriages and sometimes they're mixed and it's Mm -hmm. like all these men are just looking at you um, and so we filmed a scene where if you imagine if you close your eyes and all you see around you are all these men just staring at you and there's a voiceover that said I, sometimes I would pretend to be I would pretend to be dead to numb the pain hmm. um, you know after you've heard that she's been sold so it's like a very delicate way to enable you to feel essentially objectified um, right. but in a way that 
you can understand on your own terms. You feel very, um, I don't know if the right word is it, it feels very interactive almost in a weird, I think maybe that's too... Um, yeah, kind of quite immersive. Yeah, like you're immersive. Basically, yes. It feels immersive. Um, I think what I love, I mean, that film is incredibly moving. Um, yeah. And then there are some moments where you, your gaze... Um, kind of, I think it just shows some really beautiful kind of scenery or, or where they live in the village. And there's just lots of moments where you actually have a time, have a moment to think and process yes, by yeah. looking at that scenery and, and they'll be there as well. But I don't know if I'm describing it No, properly. yeah, yeah, no. It, it, it's a really touching film. Is there anywhere every, anyone can see it still? Yeah, um, it's it's kind of on like Jaunt, which is like the Netflix of VR. Okay. Um, and if you have like a headset which you can get you know a google cardboard which is like really cheap yeah or like if anyone in your family has like a playstation or something and they've got the goggles i was about to say what's playstation <laughs> you can watch it it's it's a that. it's a beautiful film and um, yeah you know her trying to explain how yes what she went through is very touching yeah it's beautiful um mm, thank you so thank you so much thank you. for coming. This has been great to meet you as a, like, you know, I know your <laughs> mum and dad, to my yes. mum and dad, so it's great to just meet you. And I hear so much about you and it's just been an absolute honour to have you on the show. And I'm so glad we made it happen. Likewise. Um, if anybody, well, tell us quickly, what's, what are you working on now and where can um, people see your work? Yes, um, so very quickly, I'm actually not allowed to say what I'm working on. I'm working oh. on a huge series at the moment. Will you um, come back and tell us when yes, it's all out there? Yes, I would there? love to next Brilliant. year. Um, but it's um, you'll be able to hopefully see we'll it. share it on our Instagram page when <laughs> yes, it's all thank out. You. Yeah, um, and I'm also doing some writing. I'm writing my first feature <gasps> oh, fiction. Cool. Yes, um, which is set in England for the first time, a British Asian story. Oh my um, goodness! Can't wait so to yes. hear that. That's what I'm working on. Brilliant. I forgot to mention as well that Jaisha is an artist in resident at Somerset House. Yes. And what does that mean? It means that I basically get to go to art school for adults. So I have a studio there working um, in tandem and in conjunction with lots of other incredible artists. Oh, what a cool from, place. Yes, what a cool all around kind the UK. of team of people to be around. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah, it's cool. It's inspiring. Oh, <laughs> thank you, Jaisha. Thank um, you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope the noise wasn't too much with the helicopter. <laughs> Thank you for the pizza. That oh, was yeah. great. <laughs> It'll be dal and rice next time you come, I promise. I'll, I'll make an effort. But yeah, thank you everybody for listening. Please like comment in our Instagram account and, and tell us what you thought about the interview. Tell us what you're thinking. <laughs> thank if you. it's good. If it's good, of obs. And thank you to our producer, Amanda. And I will speak to you all very soon. Bye. Bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details.